Welcome to Activate Church Podcast and thanks for listening. We really believe the next 35 minutes will help you. We pray God speaks to you through this week's message. Um, I came prepared this morning with the most fantastic message, uh, one that I've been preaching all over the place over recent months and uh, God's really been using. And then what does God do? He, he said, no, put that away today. Uh, I've got a word in season for this house that I want you to preach. And so literally, I've not uh, planned or prepared this. I've written it down on the back of your encounter day notes right here, right now. Uh, and uh, I know that uh, this is going to be a day of encounter. This is going to be a day where the Spirit of God speaks into your church. It's going to be a day where God speaks into your heart, speaks into your life. I want you to open up your heart right now because the juice is flowing this morning. And uh, it's only as you open up your heart that you get to receive. I want to say something to you today that you can, uh, no matter who's up here any time uh, that they come and preach, uh, sometimes that word will produce fruit in someone's life and, and, and in the person next to you, it, it produce fruit in that person's life. But maybe for you, sitting in your seat doesn't produce any fruit in your life. Why is that? It's not because of the word or the communicator. It's the responsiveness and the hunger of our hearts. And so if you, this word doesn't produce any fruit in you today, don't get mad at God or the walls or Pastor Ben for inviting me back. Uh, uh, just say, hey, I've got to get out of the way and I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to have his say in my life and in my heart. And so I, I, I just pray that you've come hungry and ready to receive because God wants to speak to us today. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you today that you are here. I thank you, Father, that you are building your church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I thank you, Lord, for so many friends and, and family and brothers and sisters in Christ in this church. I thank you, Lord, for what was in your heart all those years ago when this church started. But I thank you, Lord, that the best is yet to come. And I thank you, Father, that you're still building and you're still adding and you're still multiplying and increase is in the house, Father. And I just pray today, Lord, as you speak, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let there be an outbreak of healing this morning, Lord God. Physical healing, Lord, spiritual healing, mental, emotional healing. Let the spirit of restoration invade this room today. Let the spirit of faith and the gift of faith be quickened to our hearts today. Lord, your word says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, I pray today as your word goes forth, let the gift of faith arise. Let the spirit of faith arise in this house and in our hearts and let there be great fruit as a result, great increase in our lives as a result, and let it all be for your glory and honor today in Jesus' name. And if you believe it, come on, why don't you say amen in this place. I want you to go in your Bible with me to Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47 verse 1 to 12. And in worship today, uh, God just began to speak to me out of this passage and then led me to write a really quick message uh, on this. And um, uh, when uh, some of you who may not be familiar um, with uh, my ministry, um, you know, it's not, I'm not preaching this today because, you know, I didn't prepare during the week and I just, you know, sort of was like a last minute thing. Um, There's this thing called the prophetic or prophecy. And what prophecy is, is a revelation of God's heart and mind for us. 
And um, sometimes uh, God will come upon your pastor, will come upon different uh, people in the life of the church or a speaker, a guest, and quicken a word to them in season. That's like a now word, a word that reveals God's heart and mind, thought and intention for us. And I believe that that's what God is doing today. And so I, I want us to rise up and grab this word in faith and allow it to become a part of us in our spirit. It says in Ezekiel 47 verse 1, Then he brought me, that is the Spirit of God brought Ezekiel, back to the door of the temple, and behold, water was issuing from below the threshold of the temple toward the east. I want you to make a mental note of that today, toward the east. For the temple faced east, the water was flowing down from below the south end of the threshold of the temple, south of the altar. Then he brought me out by the way of the north gate and led me around on the outside to the outer gate that faces toward the east. Again, make another note of that. And behold, the water was trickling out on the south side. And going on eastward with a measuring line in his hand, the man measured a thousand cubits and then led me through the water and it was ankle deep. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was knee deep. Can you see where this is going? From ankle to knee. Again, he measured a thousand and led me through the water and it was waist deep. Again, he measured a thousand and it was a river that I could not pass through for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in a river that could not be passed through. And he said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me to the bank of the river, and as I went back, I saw on the bank of the river very many trees on the one side and on the other. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah and enters the sea. When the water flows into the sea, the water will become fresh. And wherever the river goes, every living creature that swarms will live, and there will be very many fish, for this water goes there, that the waters of the sea may become fresh. So every think will live where the river runs. Fishermen will stand beside the sea from Angedi to Elinglaim. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and marshes will not become flesh. They are to be left for salt. And on the banks on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves will not wither nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Now, I don't know about you, but your spirit should be doing spiritual gymnastics right about now because there is so much loaded up in this text. It's like a double barrel shotgun ready to just be launched and released into our hearts. And there should be something in our hearts today that says, yes, God, bring that into our lives, bring that into our ministries, bring that into our households, bring that into our families, bring that into our church. Because I'm telling you, God is speaking to you today and I want to speak to you on the subject, let the river run. Let the river run. I don't know about you, but I've learned I am my biggest problem. And before you say amen, you are your biggest problem. Our biggest problem is not the devil. Stop blaming stuff always on the devil. He's like standing back in the heavenlies going, God, don't beat me up. It's not my fault. They're they're the fools who are taking care of the foolish activities all by themselves. All right. 
Don't beat, don't beat on the devil so much. Yes, the devil does do stuff. Yes, the devil is responsible for some of the stuff of the spirit of the age that's going on in the earth. But your biggest problem is not the devil. The Bible says the devil is under your feet. The Bible says that you'll trample on snakes and scorpions. The Bible talks about that Jesus has conquered sin and Satan and death. The devil is not as powerful in your life as you may think he is. He's been defanged. He's now the gummy devil, all right? And he, and he just munches away, hasn't got his dentures in, and he just munches away, does the best that he can. But he is now gummy devil, like a gummy shark. He can only suck and slurp so much. He does not have all might, almighty power and authority in your life. So if the devil isn't your biggest oppositional threat, then who else is your biggest oppositional threat? Well, it's certainly not uh, the prime minister and our federal government or the economy or your debt. Your debt, the economy, our government is not the biggest issue in our culture. Your pastor is not your biggest issue in your life. No, he's actually there to help you, encourage you, uh, speak into your life. Your wife, your husband is not the biggest problem in your life. Your kids are not the biggest issue in your life as big as that issue may be. Your biggest problem and my biggest problem is we get in the way of what the Holy Spirit wants to do and what the Holy Spirit wants to say in his life. And it's not until you get out of the way that the Holy Spirit can actually have his say in your life. You've got to let the river run. You've got to let the river run. The river represents the presence of God. The river represents the will of God. The river represents what God wants to bring into your household and into your life. And when we get in the way, we interrupt the move of God. We get in the way of what God wants to do. Just this week, I was coming to an appointment. I had my bicycle on my roof rack and I was talking on the phone to my wife. I was distracted, not by the incredible time of my wife's voice, but my own silliness and stupidity, even though I've got stickers all over my windscreen to tell me there's a bike on top of your roof. Well, I went up the entrance ramp up to Doncaster Shopping Town, didn't I? And there was a two metre sign, you know, do, do not go here. I should have seen that. I should have so like noticed that and that I had a bike on top of my roof. And then I hit that sign and all of a sudden the bike plus the roof racks went completely off the roof roof of my car and ended up on the entrance ramp up to Doncaster Shopping Town. Right there in that moment, there were some very unholy and impure words that went through my mind, may have come out of my mouth. I since repented of them and I got out of the car. I left Simone still on the phone. All of a sudden she could hear me speaking. The next minute she just heard all this banging and crashing and all sorts of other words and noises. And then I jumped out of the car and she's like, what's going on? And I didn't answer her. I jumped out. I'm diverting traffic back to the police days. Yes, moving right along. Get out of the way. Don't touch that bike. And then I'll bip piece by piece by piece. I'm piecing the bike back together. I was thinking, who do I blame for this? Do I blame my wife because she was talking to me on the phone? Do I blame the devil? No, dummy, just blame yourself because you should have taken notice of what you, you were doing and where you were going and what was on the roof of your car. You see, we're so quick to look to blame others for our stuff ups. 
And for stuff that's going on in our lives, you've got to understand today, God wants to move in this church, but the biggest obstacle to him moving in this church is you. It's not a lack of God's intention. It's not a lack of God's will. It's not a lack of God's purpose. It's a lack of our will. It's a lack of our deliberate intentionality and purpose. You don't get mad at the pastor and you don't get mad at God and you don't get mad at the devil. You say, God, what would you have me do in this situation? What needs to change in this heart of mine? Where do I actually need to look at shifting my focus? John Maxwell said, if we could kick the person responsible for most of our troubles, we wouldn't be able to sit down for weeks. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. That oftentimes we're the ones who are getting in the way of the river running in our lives and in this church and in our families. The water in this passage that I've read at the start represents the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love what uh, John 4 uh, speaks of where Jesus meets the Samaritan woman. She doesn't realize that she has a thirst, that she is hungry, that she is broken. And yet the circumstances and the choices that she has made in her life gives rise and evidence to the fact that she has been trying to find in earthly relationships what can only be found in a relationship with the living Jesus. And Jesus comes to her and says, uh, if you drink of this living water, speaking of the well, what is often in the natural is a picture of what is in the spiritual. If you drink from this living water, not just this water from the well, but the living water of my spirit and of my presence, you will never thirst again. You see, the water that is in this passage represents the presence of God. It represents the river of God's spirit. It represents the anointing of God's presence. You see, as we were in worship today, I could feel the water levels of the presence of God rising in this house. I could sense it. I could feel it. I was aware that there was a a tangibility, if there is such a word, of God's presence in this place that wants to minister life and healing and truth into people's hearts and into people's lives. It's interesting that this passage says the water was flowing towards the east. And I want to prophesy to you today that the water levels are increasing towards the east, towards this house, towards this church, towards what God is doing in these eastern regions. The water of of God in this time and in this season is flowing towards the east. Jesus said, out of your spirit shall flow rivers of living water is that the more we walk with God and the closer we get to God, the more we become aware, we become uh, conscious, uh, consciously aware that God is speaking and God is moving and God is doing something. And and what starts as ankle deep, verses 3 to 5 in this passage, it started as ankle deep and then it went to knee deep and then it went to waist deep and then it, it got so deep that you could swim in it. Some of us are just content to to wade in the shallow end of our relationship with Jesus. We're like, Lord, don't make it too sort of deep. I don't want to get too fanatical about this. I don't want it to become too sacrificial. I don't want to have to put myself out there too much. I just want this to be sort of, you know, something that I've got control over. 
that I can lift my feet up and my legs up and, and I can still control. But the moment that you move, how many of us remember going and doing swimming lessons as a kid or working with our own kids? I've got three precious kids, went through swimming lessons and you take them through the journey. They start in the shallow end and they get more confidence and then they move into the deep end. And, 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 and if you're going to jump into the deep end, it's sort of you need to exercise a bit more trust, a bit more faith, a bit more confidence. You, you've got to be prepared to be in the elements outside of your comfort zone, outside of your control. I want to ask you today as a church, as individuals, where is your faith level at? Is your faith level at the shallow end of walking with Jesus? At the shallow end of everything's in control and everything's in place. Now, no one move because we don't want anything to interrupt my control program here of what I'm working out. And I'm telling you that, that you've got to understand Christianity, the kingdom, ministry, church life is about flow, not containment. It's about empowerment and freedom and liberty uh, rather than control and, and, and just subjugating people to a list of laws and regulations and rules. It's about empowering people to be the people that God has called them to be. It's about stepping out of the boat of comfort and out of that boat of safety onto the sometimes rough waters of faith and of risk. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And if you're not risking anything, then you're swimming around in the shallow end, if there's no risk in your life, if there's no sense of expectation like, God, I really need you today. I really need you with this decision I'm making. I really need you to show up here today in this situation I'm facing going to the doctor. I really need you with my kids over here that are facing stuff at school that's not so good. I really need you. Where is your faith level at? Is your faith level just only ankle deep? Or is, uh, is it so deep that you're like, I'm swimming in the river of what God is wanting to do in my life because God is challenging you today. He's saying, I'm increasing the water levels of my presence in this house, but I'm looking for an equal response from my people of faith that will skip, jump into the deep end and just learn to swim in the midst of what they're facing, in the midst of what is going on. The water is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, what's interesting about this water is that it, it, it brings certain things. It has certain characteristics. What will the water of God's Spirit and God's presence bring into this house and into your life once your faith rises up and partners with it and meets it with a responsiveness from your heart. I tell you one of the things that it will bring, the water will bring life, not death. The Bible says in this passage in verse 9, it says wherever the river goes, wherever it goes, every living creature that swarms will live, will live. I love that. I love that wherever the river goes. You see, you've got to understand something. The river is in you. The river is in you. The river isn't in the walls. The river isn't in the building. The river is in you. Wherever you go, the river goes with you. Because your spirit, man, your, your spirit is the candle of the Lord. And when he lights that thing and he, when he burns that thing, then you become a carrier of the living waters of God's Spirit. You become on fire. You become that person that, that has this, this anointing, this presence and power of God in you. Wherever the river goes, there is life. 
I want to ask you today, is there some areas of your life that there isn't life, there's only death? There's discouragement or there's negativity or there's, there, there, there's certain shadows over certain parts of your private life and you let God into certain parts of your life, but you've got a locked door and you've got the key locked up in your pocket. You're not letting Jesus into that area of your life. I want to tell you today that God's river, God's spirit wants to invade every area of your life, every part of your life. Not just the really cool, religious, sort of Christian-looking, Christian-feeling activities. It's not like the river just runs when you meet for an hour and a half at church on Sunday. Or the river just runs when you get to a small group and life group during the week. Or the river just runs when you serve somewhere in the life of the church. No, the river goes wherever you go. Because the river is in you. So if you're in an environment that has death in it, that has no hope in it, that has no life in it, in your workplace, in your relationships and conversations with your neighbours, in the street that you find yourself, then you've got to ask yourself, what, what, are you, what the heck is going on in me today? Is there any difference between my life and that person's life? Am I truly salt and light in this situation? Is the river running into this conversation? Is the river running into this relationship? Or have I turned the water tap off? I've turned the faucet off because I don't want them to know too much about, you know, what I did on Sunday and, and, and my faith in Jesus. Because after all, it's sort of closet faith and it's private faith. You need to come out of the closet. You need to turn the tap back on. You need to let the river run. You need to stop being ashamed and stop making excuses for why you do what you do or don't do what you, what others do and you need to say you know what uh, uh, I am who I am I know who I believe I do what I do because Jesus has saved me because Jesus has rescued me and you say well that's corny they're not going to understand that they're not going to like that yep but in the midst of that you're still being authentic to who you are and it's amazing as they're looking at you cross-eyed because they can't work you out over the course of time your example and your witness stands out that they go you know what I want to find out more about this person you know when I travel and I speak and hang out with different people uh, you meet people on the airplane or you meet people uh, in, in, in airports or hotels and start conversations I ask you what do you do what are you doing here and for me it either shuts down the conversation or it launches it and catapults it into a whole new place you know it shuts it down sometimes because I don't want anything to do oh you're one of them you're one of them. Okay, well, we're not going to go there. And uh, that's why I never say first off, I'm a pastor. I say, oh, I'm a speaker and author. Yeah. And they're like, oh, what do you speak about? Oh, that's a great question. Let me tell you what I speak about. Oh, what do you write about? That's another great question. And, and I tell them that. And, and all of a sudden, they, they start to get interested because oftentimes people will shut down the moment you say pastor or church. But when you talk about spirituality, when you talk about that you have a faith, when you talk about that you're someone that, 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 that is not just the surface level person who responds to just the surface level stuff of life, but there's a depth to you. You can take people on a journey and begin to, to, to awaken their conscience that there is is another force, there is another being, and then you point them to the cross of Jesus Christ and who He is. We've got to become smarter in how we engage with people out in the workplace, out in the marketplace, about the river that is inside of us. You see, Jesus said, I love it, I have come that you may have life and have it in all of its fullness, have it in all of its abundance, but the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Wherever the 
influence of the spirit of the age is. There is death, there is hopelessness, there is no life. But wherever the presence of Jesus is, wherever the river runs, there is life, there is energy, there is supernatural force in our lives. The church should be a place of life and not death. We are not the frozen chosen, all right? Where we're just stiff and starchy and mean and unkind. We're supposed to be people, not because we fake it till we make it. I hate that saying, just fake it till you make it. No, just be it. Don't fake it till you make it. Just be it. Just make a decision. I'm going to be this. You know, I've discovered that, that when, even when you don't feel like it, if you just make a decision, it's amazing the power of a decision. The power of a decision. Just decide. I am not going to let this attack of discouragement rule my mind, rule my spirit. I am not going to decide to let my circumstance dictate my faith. I am not going to decide to allow critiquing or criticism to to, to destroy my faith. I I posted on Instagram during the week a great quote on a t-shirt that says, you may not like me, but Jesus thinks I'm to die for. And, and, And I just love it because it's like, you know, we go through life and the moment you lift your voice up and start to be who God's called you to be. The moment you rise up, assume a position of authority or leadership. That's why not a lot of people want to be leaders because they're going to become targets that people are going to aim at. That's why a lot of people step back from serving in the life of the church because all of a sudden you put yourself out there. But you just got to have a holy, humble confidence about you that says, you may not like me, but Jesus thinks I'm to die for. And you got to get that spirit about you and remind yourself that's who God is called the church to be. People who are bold in faith. You know what happens if you allow passivity and complacency to begin to creep into your life? A boldness of faith is replaced by a passivity of complacency and you start to allow discouragements to shape your view of God. You start to allow disappointments to shape your view of the church. And all of a sudden when you started in your faith, when you started, when you first were born again and you gave your life to Jesus. Do you remember when you first started and how there was a purity of faith to everything you did? I mean, you loved everyone. The pastor was awesome back in those days. The church was just absolutely awesome. You gave at every offering. You were here when the doors opened and you were here when the doors closed. But over time, disappointments and discouragements come, disillusion us and paint our worldview and our picture of who God is and who the church is and what we're about in the kingdom. I want to encourage you today to pick up your faith where you left it behind. Pick up your Bible where you've left it behind. Pick up your prayer life where you've left it behind and let the river run again in your life. Let the spirit of life, let the spirit of God, let the river of God's spirit begin to flow in your life again because wherever the water is, there is life, not death. There is life, not death. What else does this water bring? I love this. I'm preaching myself happy just as I'm sharing this. The water brings a harvest of souls. So I'm prophesying over you right now. You see, there are more people here today than there were last time I was here. I mean, someone should be just thanking Jesus right now. Seriously, at least the pastor's clapping. I mean, come on. That's the general aim. That we grow in internally and we grow externally. That's the aim. 
and we worship and glorify Jesus in the process. Do you realize that Jesus is glorified by your productivity and fruitfulness, not by you getting smashed all the time? I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said, by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And if you have a mindset that says, you know what? Well, God's getting the glory because I'm getting smashed then you don't understand that, yes, God can get the glory in anything and everything, including going through hard and difficult times. But He wants to bring you out of a wilderness mentality where you're simply surviving off the leeks and onions into a promised land that flows with milk and honey, into a place that is prosperous of soul, prosperous of mind, prosperous of relationships. But you have got to shift your focus and realize that you are called to fruitfulness and productivity. And where there is no fruitfulness, where there is no productivity, you need to ask, what river is operating in my life? What, 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 what's actually going on here? I remember last year I preached in the Czech Republic at a place that had just, you know, sort of, you could probably call it uh, a Nazi concentration camp, okay? And in all seriousness, it was actually a former Nazi youth camp in the middle of the Second World War. And then when the uh, communists liberated um, uh, uh, Czech Republic, it got turned into a communist uh, so socialist propaganda camp for young people to indoctrinate them in socialist ideology. Now I'm preaching at this nationwide Pentecostal youth conference and now we're preaching the gospel in it, right? But the living conditions of this uh, amazing place, okay, was not exactly what you're used to in Australia. It wasn't a five star, probably wasn't four, probably wasn't three, probably wasn't two, probably wasn't even one. It was probably a half star, right? And, and, and so, you, you, you know, the toilet and shower facilities weren't clean for the week. They were all communal. You had to walk 250 meters from where I was uh, sleeping and uh, it, it was not good. And the water in, in that campsite, in that place, had actually had the the sewerage system, all right, going through it. And so everyone who was showering, brushing their teeth, and all the food that was being cooked in the water, etc., etc., all of a sudden, out of the 500 delegates at the conference, 32 of them are like really sick and confined to their dormitory. And they had to call the health inspectors in from the Czech government. And, and, and the, they said, hey, this is bad. The sewage system is actually uh, leaking back into the water, the drinking system. Uh, we've got major problems here and we're going to need to shut this down. And the camp host said, no, you can't do that because we'll lose money money out from our guests that are here. And so the government health workers over there, very different over here, said, oh, okay, let's wait 24 hours till you finish the conference in the camp. We'll get all 500 of them completely smashed sick. And then we'll come back and we'll close this thing down. And I began to think about that and how sometimes, depending upon the toxicity of our hearts, depending upon what's leaking out of our hearts and the river and the water of our hearts can determine whether there is a harvest of souls in our church and in our life or, or people are getting poisoned by a negative attitude. 
Listen, the first thing that will repel new people and new believers from the house is a toxicity of heart, is a poison in your heart that is negative, that is dark, that is toxic, that, that infiltrates people's hearts and says, you know what, I, I, I don't know, all I hear is negativity, all I hear is, is, is a, a, a darkness and a toxicity. I don't want to hang around that place. Can God entrust to you new babies in the kingdom in this church? Can he entrust it to you? You see, the amazing thing about this passage is that it says in verse 10, fishermen will stand beside the sea, beside the water. It will be a place for the spreading of nets. Its fish will be of very many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. Oh man, I can preach that. That's awesome. You know what that's a picture of? You know what fish is a picture of? You and I, people's souls. The nets represent harvest. We're often waiting for revival to come. We're waiting for a move of God to come. And God's saying, I have called you to go and become fishers of men and of women. I've given you nets. What are your nets? Your nets are your giftings and your abilities and your passions and the anointings of God upon your life that he's given to you. He's given you nets as a church. He's given you nets as an individual. Are you spreading the nets? Are you spreading the nets? Because there are going to be fish of many kinds. That speaks of multi-nations. You know what I saw a picture of as I was in worship today? I saw people of every ethnicity coming into this church in the time to come. And if you're not comfortable with that, then, then you've got to get comfortable with that. And, and you, or this is not the church for you because this region is filled with lots of people of multi-nations and multi-ethnicities and Jesus wants them saved. Jesus wants them here. But the river, when it runs, ends up in a harvest of souls. Not only that, what does the water represent? It represents an increase in resources. You see, the Bible says in verse 12, on the banks, on both sides of the river, there will grow all kinds of trees for food. Their leaves, listen to it, don't be distracted. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail, but they will bear fresh fruit every month because the water for them flows from the sanctuary. Every month in this coming season of the water levels rising, I see that there'll be more than enough increase in the area of resources. I want to tell you, the devil, and I can even speak in authority on this because I led this church for nearly seven years. I can tell you that one of the issues that the devil has tried to work hard against in the life of this church is the supply line of resources. And, and if the devil can cut off the supply line, he can stop the work on the front line of what he's actually called you to. And, and I want to encourage you to, to not just see it as a, as a personal, practical stewardship thing, but see it as a spiritual thing and say, God, is there something in me that's getting in the way of you supplying through me into your house, into your temple, the resources that this church needs to be able to move forward into the future? Because I want to prophesy today that in, when the water levels rise and increase, there will be an increase in the resources in the house of God. God to do the ministry that God has called you to. I know only a few of you are going to say amen at that, but, but I'm telling you, you need to begin to expect that God is going to move in this area. There will be provision for the vision in your life. The next thing, what does the water bring nearly there? The water brings healing. The water brings healing. The Bible says in verse 12, 
that their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. You know what I felt in my spirit? I went over to Pastor Ben and I said, hey, um, we've got to pray for the sick today. We've got to pray for people who are sick in their body today because there is an anointing in this church that's growing for healing. You're going to have more signs and wonders. You're going to have more miracles. I wish someone would join me in faith right now. All right? Because there there is going to be, this church is going to be known as one of the places in the eastern region where people can come and get healed by the power of the name of Jesus. I'm telling you right now. I, I, I didn't preach this message at the church in Perth two days ago. I didn't preach this message two weeks ago in Brisbane. I didn't preach this message in Indonesia. I'm preaching it here. Because I'm telling you that there is an anointing in this house for healing. And some of you who are intercessors, some of you who are spiritually aware and acute know this because you've received similar words. You've received similar burdens. You know what? In this place, in the future, if I'm sick, I'm going to make a beeline for this house. Because there's something about being in the atmosphere of what God's doing here and what God's doing in your pastor. In the area of signs and wonders, particularly faith for healing. Jeff and Annette Bird is one of the testimonies of the people in this house getting prepped for surgery, had the marks on and the doctor said, let's do we'll last minute. Uh, just check to see that we're cutting and dicing and slicing where we need to. And they look and there's no more tumour there. There's no more sickness there. They're like, what have you been doing? Which naturopath have you been seeing? Well, we're Christians and we've been praying and we believe in faith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what have you been doing? You see, the world doesn't understand the power of the Spirit. But this is going to be a place where the river runs. And when the river runs, there is healing. Where the river runs, there is increase in resource. Where the river runs, there's harvest. Where the river runs, there is life. Let the river run. Just let it run. Don't interrupt the the move of God with man's ideas. Don't get clever. Some of us are too clever for our own good. We get too clever. We, 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 we sort of make it more complex than what it is. Just let the river run. In fact, as I'm preaching this, I can remember a conference, our first conference, Pastor Kevin Forlong, a prophetic man of God, came and he preached. Now it's come back to me. He preached exactly the same thing in this church. He said, let the river run and God is bringing it back again. I feel like if we've done a full circle and God's saying, now is your second wind. Now it's your second wind as a church. You've got the second wind as a church. You've got to let the river run. You're coming into, you've been repositioned. Went through some challenges and tough times and through the jungle and the forest and now you're here. You've been repositioned. GPS is all aligned. Your heart is ready. God says, let the river run. Let the river run. The Bible says in Matthew 7:10, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now just stay with me one more minute and we're going to close. Some of us hear the saying, you're so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. Well, I want to say, I think some of us are so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly good. Some of us are so preoccupied and distracted by what's happening on planet earth that we are missing the heartbeat of heaven. We're missing what the Spirit of God is doing in heaven. Jesus said, I only ever do that which I see my Father doing. How could Jesus be so effective? It wasn't just because He was the Son of God. It was because he, he, his, his whole focus, his whole, his whole heart was, Father, what are you doing in heaven? 
What, 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 what's your heart? What's your purpose in this situation, this person's life? What, what, what do you want me to do with this woman by the well? What do you want me to do with these two blind men? What do you want me to do? And he caught the heartbeat of heaven for a person, a situation, a city. And then he moved and he spoke and he operated and the power of God began to fall and flow. We've got to let the river run. The water levels are rising in this house. I'm excited for you. There is a genuine presence and move of God that is starting to shift and increase and unfold in this house and you are a part of the miracle. The question is, do you still believe that Jesus saves, that Jesus heals, that Jesus baptises people in the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is still building His church? Do you still believe? You know, I was in Indonesia, 30% of the nation, largest Islamic nation on earth, 30% of the nation, born again believers. Islamic politicians say at this rate of growth, by 2050, 80% of the nation will be born again believers following Jesus in a Muslim devout nation. Don't tell me that he can't build his church in the eastern region of Melbourne, in the eastern suburbs. Don't tell me he can't save the hardest heart. Don't tell me he can't heal the most terrible grave sickness. Don't tell me that He can't provide the resource and provision that you need. I was in a church just a few weeks ago where a businessman walked in. The church was facing a debt of a half a million dollars and the businessman without any prompting from the pastor had no prior knowledge, walked in and wrote out a check for $500,000 to wipe the debt so the church did not have to go into the bank in order to provide for the building. Don't tell me He doesn't provide. Don't tell me He doesn't supply. But it comes back to, do I still believe? Do I still believe? I want you to stand to your feet today. We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website, www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.